This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Ralph Benmergi. Welcome to Yehopitzville, brought to you by Pear Tree Canada. I hope you're having a, a good day. Um, the recording of this will have happened after all the Hagim, all the high holidays, and uh, for all those who celebrated them in whatever way they, they wanted to, I hope they were rich and meaningful and sweet, and that the year is a good one. Um, so usually what we do on this program is we talk to somebody somewhere in Canada in a small community uh, and try to understand what their life is like and how they keep their Judaism alive. But this time, we've decided to go to Tasmania. You heard me right. Now, I know most of us only know Tasmania as a Looney Tunes idea where the Tasmanian devil came whirring in and yelling at Bugs Bunny. I know that's what most of us have done. But it's an actual place. And it has actual people. And uh, there's Australia, New Zealand, Tasmania. Um, and my guest today is someone who... Well, I'll let him explain, but he isn't originally from Tasmania, but he did move there. And he is one of the people who keeps Jewish life alive in Tasmania. He's the president of the Hobart Hebrew Congregation, Hobart being the capital of Tasmania. You see, I didn't know that up until two minutes ago when I asked him before we started. But nonetheless, that's where he is. And I want to introduce him to you. His name is Jeff Schneider. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Ralph. Thank you for having me today. My pleasure. So uh, maybe you could tell me about how it is that you came to be somebody who lives in Hobart. Yes, it's not something that if you told me 10 years ago, I would quite understand. But um, so I met my lovely wife um, 2011 in Washington, D.C., while she was at um, Georgetown University. Uh, she is from Sydney, Australia, originally. And we got married. And then a year after we got married, she got a job at the University of Tasmania. So we said, let's go. Now, that's not an obvious thing, because some people would say, well, no, I'm not. No, I'm not going there. I don't know anything about it. What made you decide? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. So we had been there actually for a week on holiday. The first time I went to Australia to meet my wife's family. And as much as you can like a place in a week, we, we thought it seemed great. And uh, we knew we wanted to move to Australia. Uh, I had no problems getting away from America. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a, you don't often have the opportunity to move to the other side of the world. So it seemed like, you know, good thing to do and a nice adventure. And I mean, eight years later, uh, you know, it's, it's not an adventure. I mean, the, this feels like home now. Um, I love the place and uh, already have my, my plot at the at the Jewish cemetery. So that, uh, how much how comfortable I am here. It's um, we have young kids. It's a great place to raise a family. And um, yeah, it just totally feels like home. So can you describe like if I was looking out your window or like or taking a walk somewhere or a hike? What does Tasmania look like? Um, this I mean, you know, we are an island. So you often there's beautiful the beautiful river, or the, the the bay is close by, or rivers. Um, there's quite a lot of uh, what they call here bush uh, wilderness. 
all around. Um, so we live in Hobart, the capital city, where the, most of the population of the island lives. And you only have to drive out about 20 minutes before you get into just bushland um, that, you know, doesn't where there's a real lack of houses. Um, yeah, I mean, the trees do look a little different than North America. They're more of this gum tree. Um, and it's not so much of, you know, the, the evergreen or the deciduous leaves. Um, it, it, the mountains, um, they're not like the, you know, like the Rockies, they're not like these huge peaks, snow covered peaks, but, um, they do get, they do, it, it's, it is rather mountainous, but it's more just probably, um, you know, someone from Alberta would think they're just more hills than the mountains, but, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's very, um, hilly and uneven ground. Um, I mean, look, you can. Going around the island, you could see why it was originally a penal colony that like the, the prisoners were sent here and, you know, they weren't, it wasn't like a typical prison. It's not like they were actually confined to um, a cage or, or they, they weren't in shackles. It's just the island itself was, you know, where are you going to go? It's just, it's just very unforgiving land. It's just, hmm. you know, but it, it, it's, it's, I said unforgiving, but it, you know, it's, it's very beautiful and scenic and uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was sort of an enclosed space, which I'm sure has a, a rich culture because it's enclosed. Um, connecting with, with the Jewish population there, how did that go about for you? For me? Oh, um, well, look, I mean, to be honest, um, so I moved here in my um, late 30s, I would say. And, you know, I grew up in Baltimore in America in a, in a huge Jewish um, community, um, I mean, my pub, my public school was majority Jewish people, and I went to a very large uh, conservative synagogue. So, I mean, that just seemed you know natural to me that that's the way things are. Um, moving here, I mean, Jews are uh, the last census showed three hundred seventy six people in Tasmania identified as Jewish, um, and it's an island of five hundred fifty thousand people. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very small community. Uh, and it, after my bar mitzvah, I mean, I think this is um, sadly pretty typical for um, at least many kids from America. But after my bar mitzvah, I sort of disconnected from Judaism for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, going all the way through like my 20s and my early 30s. And I was actually moving here to a smaller community where it started. It's I started to feel more connected again. Um, and I think it was a couple things. Um, I mean, first of all, I think, as I said before, like coming to an area where there's so few of you, if you feel more of an obligation to assert your identity and be part of the community. Um, I mean, there's also with our congregation, it's so small. You, you, I think a lot of people do get the sense that if you don't step up, like it's just not going to continue. Whereas, you know, like growing up in Baltimore, it's just, you know, other people took care of things. There were professional staff. There were, you know, people that were just more privileged and more involved. While I was here, anyone can get involved. And you, you feel an obligation to do so. Um, I think it's also the fact that it, I st started to have children where, you know, then you see your offspring and you, you, you want to keep your cultural identity, not just around for yourself, but for your children as well. And finally, here, um, I started to read about the Jewish history here in Tasmania, and I find it fascinating. Um, it goes, you know, we're the oldest synagogue in Australia, and it started with a story of like convicts 
and free settlers. And then you just, we were traditionally have always been, I mean, our peak was in the 1850s, where there were 454 Jews in the census in the colony. But it's gone downhill ever since then, pretty much, um, although we have had a recent rise. But um, you read stories about a man in the 1920s, his name was Reuben Benjamin, who wouldn't go, he wouldn't go on holiday because he was afraid that no one would be there to open Shabbat. Um, I mean, you read stories like that, and it just, it's, I mean, at least for me, it, it, it gave me motivation to get involved and keep things going. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, it's the, when you describe Baltimore, you're part of, in, in, in an ecosystem that's kind of self-sustaining and doesn't need, it's kind of a, a miniature dominant culture feeling. Like, okay, everybody at my school's Jewish, and I go to a big shul, and uh, this will take care of itself. And now you're in a place where out of half a million people, there's just under 400 people who are Jewish. Do you find that the people who you are connecting with there uh, have that same feeling? Or do you have, as the president of, of, of the synagogue, do you find it's, you've got to work at getting these people engaged? Uh, you know, it's a mixture. Um, I think the... You know, there's a there's there's some people I think definitely um, they're like me where if you told them before they moved here that you would be on the you know on the board of management of a synagogue they they would have um, thought that sounded a bit silly but um, yeah I, I think you know there certainly are some of us like that I mean there's others where you know it's it's a bit of a struggle to um, you know to convinced and like, like, you know, you, you need to come to this funeral because we need to have a minion or, um, right. Yeah. Do you have a rabbi? No, we haven't. The congregation has not had a rabbi since the 1950s. Wow. So yeah. lay, lay leaders lead the service? Yes. Uh, for normal Shabbat services, it's, it's just, we have a roster of lay leaders and for a recent, um, high holidays, uh, Traditionally, we have a, he's a school teacher at a Jewish school in Melbourne who comes down and does a lovely job leading services. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you, you improvise, you get it done. Yeah. Did you know April 2023 is Israel's 75th anniversary? In honor of this huge milestone, UJA Federation of Greater Toronto is planning an epic trip to Israel, and all of Canada is invited. Israel's anniversary, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, is a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Streets are filled with parties, fireworks, music, and dancing. On UJA's Israel 75, you'll get to join the celebration. 75 is not a regular anniversary, and Israel 75 is not your typical trip. You'll get a truly unique experience of the country, no matter how many times you've been before. With 10 specialized tracks, you can create an itinerary that is totally personalized, whether you're a foodie, an adrenaline seeker, a TV buff, or politically minded. The best part? You can mix and match tracks on different days. Embark on a thrilling adventure one day and a culinary experience the next. Let your own interests be your guide and experience everything Israel has to offer. To learn more about the trip, visit UJAIsrael75.com. That's UJAIsrael75.com. So did you you hear our our episode uh, with the woman in Maine who takes... Uh, has a whole program going to sustain small communities. Yes, I listen. That is, I, I listened to that one. I thought it was, it was just 
very interesting because there are a lot of the things she talked about which are relevant here. It really spoke to me. I, um, yeah. Yeah. What do you get from that? From what what the rabbi was saying there? Uh, there is a lot of things that she was saying about just the struggles of getting things going that I related to. Um, there was one thing that she said about um, going beyond denominations, hmm. which I really spoke to me because I I, I'm, I strongly believe that here. Um, I mean, we, we have people from all different backgrounds, and um, I mean, we're such a small place. Um, I mean, it's so different than the bigger cities, like in, in here in Melbourne and Sydney, where, you know, people actively choose to be part of, they call it progressive here, but reform, or people, you know, or they, you know they, they, they choose to go to a modern Orthodox synagogue. I mean, here, you know, it's very important for me as president to try to cater to Jews from wherever they're coming from. And I mean, so, some people, like they asked me about it, it's like, oh, you have both progressive and orthodox services at the synagogue. And I mean, of course, it's challenging, but they, they sort of say it with a negative tone with their question. But I mean, I mean, I think it's a great thing that we're able to coexist like this and be able to at least try to accommodate Jews um, from wherever they're coming from. And I mean, you know, so do you have like do you have like a Friday night progressive service and a Saturday or New Orthodox service or something? Yes. Yeah, so um, a couple times a month, we do have a Friday night uh, progressive service. and But the, the Orthodox, they meet every Shabbat. And uh, the progressive have a Shabbat service, um, also, again, a couple times a month as well. Right. And what about the kids? Do you have an education program for kids? Yes. Um, I'm glad you asked that because we actually just started one um, within the past couple of years. A, a lovely woman from Israel, Rachel, has um, she's a, uh, like everyone involved with the synagogue. She's a volunteer, and um, so it, it's it's been a lovely thing um, that there's been it's, it's been a recent development. I've been here eight years, and just in the past couple of years, there's been more young families with kids, um, including my own. Mine are uh, five and seven, and you know we we we're just we realize oh you know we have a lot of kids around. I mean we really should try to start some sort of educational program. So yeah, um, we just got going and we, we meet once a month and, you know, they do the normal thing of learning Hebrew and learning about the festivals and games and activities and all. And it's just, it's been very, it's been a great experience for the parents that we get together and it's been very meaningful for us to have this because, I mean, you know, as I said, I've been here eight years and for the first couple of years, it's, you know, there's, there hasn't been children around and there's, you know, even when I started to have kids, it's like, you know, questions of, you know, how, how am I going to teach them how to be Jewish? And so to have this program where we all get together and it's a nice effort. And it, it's very um, heartwarming that some of our older members have come up to me and said how nice it is that um, for the first time and as long as they can remember that, that there's, there's children around. So yeah. you know, there's a, a, lot of, a lot of optimism. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, compared to, you know, kids who go to a Jewish school in, in Melbourne that, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly not the same, but at least it's something. And it feels like we're doing the right thing. And it's, it's a step in the right direction. Well, when you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, if you'd been lived in Baltimore or, or, or you know, D.C. or whatever, yeah. uh, and you'd had your kids, you probably could have just plugged them into a Hebrew school and thought, okay, they'll take care of it, not to worry. Yeah. And here, everything you do about your Judaism has to be conscious. You, you, you yes. can't leave it to somebody, right? So how is that affecting you as a Jew? I mean, look, I think it's, it's a wonderful thing to, be, to actually be involved with everything. 
it, it just it makes you feel like you value your Judaism so much more and it makes me feel more part of the community and it, it's just it's just an like yeah it's just the being connected to the community just feels more of a wholesome organic um experience as opposed to just letting other people take care of it i mean and look i mean I'm not going to say this. There's, I mean, there's certainly challenges involved with that. I mean, um, you know, our lay leaders do an excellent job, but, you know, sometimes it's a struggle finding them to lead services. Um, and, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, there are times where I may came across like um, other other kids, you know, in Sydney or Melbourne my, that are the same age as my kids that, you know, can are probably don't seem all that far away from being able to start their B'nai Mitzvah preparation. And, you know, that's... My kids aren't there yet, but still, I mean, relatively speaking, I mean, it, we're doing what we can, and yeah, it's 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 a different experience, but it, I I I feel much more connected to Judaism being in this in this um, small community. Ironic, isn't it? I mean, you, yeah. you think you you go away from you know larger centers of Jewish life, and you think there'd be less Jewishness, but because you have to consciously decide to do it. You do it. Do you miss uh, the American way, or are you relieved to be out out of America? Um, with, uh, <laughs> current politics and all, I'm, I'm feel bad for my family that's still there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's a complicated question. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take that as I'm happy to be where I live. Yes, um, Tasmania is a, a great place. Is your wife uh, Jewish? Yes. Right. So that wasn't a hurdle to overcome as well in terms of the kids and what you're going to do with them and all that. Now, she's actually the granddaughter of Auschwitz survivors. And uh, I find that Australia compared to America, um, and, you know, while they, including the founders of our synagogue, where there were many Jews here before uh, World War II, um, Australia did take in a lot of um refugees around that time and it seems much more part of the of the cult the jewish culture here is the, the connection to the holocaust mm. i mean think of when growing up in baltimore I, I don't know if i knew any kids that actually you know were there you know that their parents or grandparents were involved um i don't think there were any but here it's um it's you know it's it's much 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 more common that your you know your parents or grandparents were um, came over from europe how far is Melbourne from where you are? Uh, so it's about uh, an hour flight. Oh, is, is there a ferry, a boat? Yeah, there is uh, actually called the Spirit of Tasmania. Um, <laughs> the ferry that goes, um, I think this time of year, go twice daily. Actually, I think just last week, it doesn't go to Melbourne anymore. It goes to a city right outside of Melbourne called Geelong. But um, yeah, so if you want to take your car to what we call the mainland, um, you can take the spirit of Tasmania. I was just thinking for the Orthodox Jews in your uh, community, they want their kosher food, so yeah. they probably have to go to Melbourne for it, right? Yeah, I know that um, Chabad um, helps out with that. Um, I believe that they take in a lot of uh, frozen meat and distribute it. Is there a Chabad in, in Hobart? No, but there is one in Launceston. What's the name of that place? Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I have to remember I'm speaking to someone across the other <laughs> side of the world. Launceston, so that's the um, second biggest city in Tasmania. It's about a two-hour drive from here. It's in, it's in the northern part of the state. Right, all right. Well, it sounds like it's an interesting life, and in many ways, it, it, it ironically, it became a richer Jewish life to go where there's hardly anybody who's Jewish. 
Yeah, it's um, as I said, like um, th there's a lot more that comes out of it, and um, I mean, I I think when in the early part of our interview, if you told me ten years ago I would be living in Tasmania, I thought you were crazy. But if you told me that I would also not only be living in Tasmania, but president of a synagogue, I would have thought you were <laughs> <off -rocker. laughs> but Here we you are. Know, I it's like that HR question, you know, what do you want to be in five years? And you know, you say, look, if I knew that, because <laughs> I've never been right about where I thought I was supposed to end up in life, right? Yeah. But there you are with two kids living in Tasmania, the president of a synagogue. I mean, who knew, right? Yeah. You know, it's you a good go where thing, life though. takes you, and um, I'm very happy, so. Yeah, it sounds great. I'm, I, I'll be moving there shortly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's. I mean, look, we're... we're starting to have um more international visitors again and um we actually we offer tours at the synagogue um, to, um jewish people that come here like um the cruise ships have just started again and um we have a fascinating building in history and it's, it's a big thing for us to offer tours so cool what's the what's fascinating about the history of the of the, of the synagogue look i mean it's an 1845 building it was consecrated on a day that's easy for me to remember, 4 July, 1845. And um, as many of your listeners know, that um, it was called Van Diemen's Land when back in the early bit of the 19th century, it was established as a penal colony by the British. So many of our um, original founders and members were, were convicts. It was a mix of convicts and free settlers. And um, I mean, we have here in Australia, the National Library of Australia has an application, a web app where they have historic newspaper articles. And being a bit of a history geek myself, I, I've read many articles that detailed the opening of the synagogue. And they go over the, the aspects of the building. And you can walk in today, like there's a, a chandelier and the wooden pews and the marble tablets with the Ten Commandments. And you could see those things today. Um, mm. The building hasn't changed all that much. Great. That sounds wonderful. Well, Jeff, thank you for taking some time to be with me. I know it's what spring there now. Is it spring? Um, yeah, it's that's what they call it. It's still it's pretty cold out. Um, very windy. Um, here being an island, we get um, the weather changes about every five minutes. But um, yeah, it's, Co it's spring. cold. How? What? What? What is considered cold where you are? Um. So it this time of year it could be anything. Um, we had a day last week that I think was like 25, it was quite nice, but then it, um, it's not uncommon to get under 10 here. Um, so is, is this Fahrenheit or Celsius? Celsius, yeah. Yes, okay, right. Well, yeah, you're speaking to a Canadian, so you'll get no sympathy yeah. from me. I yeah. <laughs> you to, and your water goes down to counterclockwise, I think, yes. Yes. N well, I love it all. Uh, Jeff Schneider has been my guest. Jeff Schneider is the president of the Hobart Hebrew congregation, uh, a transplanted uh, American with a baseball team that did reasonably well. Yes, I think I'm year. the only person in Tasmania with an Orioles hat. <laughs> I'm very excited one, but, about the Orioles. But we're Blue Jays fans, so you'll just have to just bear yeah. with us. Yeah. Well, sorry about uh, the Seattle. Yeah, oof, don't even. <laughs> just don't go there. It was unpleasant. Um, this has been Yehopistel, sponsored by Pear Tree Canada, reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadian major gift donors. Learn more at peartreecanada.com. 
I'm your host, Ralph Benmergi. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Our music's by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country visiting small Jewish communities and around the world, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more of my work, I host another podcast called Not That Kind of Rabbi. And anything else you'd like to know is at ralphbenmergi.ca. If you want to hear more Canadian Jewish stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, the cjn.ca. Thanks, and we'll see you next time in Yehobitzville. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.